I think that there's an expectation of like, oh gosh, like our relationship with Jesus is going to be so solid and we're going to be so faithful and our sex life is going to be amazing and we're going to be so connected and it's going to heal this part of me. So then when you get into marriage and it doesn't do any of that, that is why the divorce rate, I believe, is so high because we are very, very naive to what it actually takes to build a life with somebody. Hey everybody, and welcome to the Raised and Redeemed podcast and YouTube channel. I'm your host, Michaela Nikolenko, and I started this show after finally finding my home in Christ. I grew up in a home with lots of abuse and addiction where Christianity became something that repelled me. I spent my early adulthood seeking God in other religions, tarot cards, psychedelics, and even myself. I didn't realize how much hell I had pulled up into my life until I came face to face with the dark side of the spirit world and Jesus fought hard to save me. Now I live to serve his will and host a platform where others can share their story too. If you're looking for a show that talks about real things and provides encouragement for those who have been to the dark side and back, this is the show for you. Make sure to rate, subscribe, and share this show with anyone that you feel might be encouraged by it too. Quick disclaimer, what we can agree on here is that we love Jesus and he is our Lord and Savior. I don't filter what my guests say, so there will most likely be something along the way that you don't agree with, and that's okay. I highly recommend spending time researching and praying about anything that gets said that might trouble you. With all that said, thank you so much for joining me, and welcome to the Raised and Redeemed family. Hey, you guys. So I'm fangirling pretty hard right now because today we are talking to one of my biggest inspirations, Lindsay Maestas. She is host of the Living Easy podcast, founder of The Wife Project, a marriage and intimacy coach, and also just an overall social media superstar. Today, we discuss healing from past relational hurt as a married woman and experiencing the fullness of love and intimacy within your marriage. Without further ado, let's get on to the show. Good afternoon, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being on the Rape and Redeem podcast today. I've been so excited to have you. Um, it's a little challenging to introduce you because you are just a jack of many trades. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so you're the host of a super successful podcast called the Living Easy Podcast, I think, did you just get 2 million downloads? Yeah, yeah. We just exceeded 2 million downloads, which has been, it's so exciting to me. It's because this is kind of my baby. Living Easy is, it's become like my heart and soul. So thank you. Yeah. And then on top of that, you do marriage and intimacy coaching. You have the Wife Project. We're going to talk all about these things. You do social media management. <laughs> Um, and you offer just all these online courses that basically teach others how to thrive in all of these areas and do the same. So I love that you don't gatekeep. Um, and no. I tell my husband, I'm like, I want to be just like her when I go. Oh. <laughs> You're so sweet. Well, thank you. Um, I Yeah, it's been really cool. And I would be lying if I said that it, it all comes very smoothly and easily. I have so many moments where I think the enemy gets into my head and I have imposter syndrome or I just have burnout and exhaustion. And I love it when I feel creative and when I feel excited. And I love it the most when I see the impact. Like, you know, I'm sure you can relate, Michaela, when you're doing this and you have listeners, but you don't get to see their faces or necessarily communicate with them all the time. There can be a sense of disconnect. And so I think that it can be a little bit challenging. But when I have the opportunity to see people face to face, whether it's at events or even through my DMs, that is when I'm like so energized and passionate because I see God using it for their good, you know, to grow them and challenge them. So, but yeah, I mean, it's been a journey. It's been an exciting journey and I'm, I'm thankful to be here. So thank you for having me on. Of course. Yeah. And it's like those little moments remind you of why you do all of those things. My husband yeah. and I joke, we're both like, we're kind of crackheads where we're always working on <laughs> doing something. So I know what you mean with that burnout. So when I see like, it just seems like you've hacked some of these systems 
um, down to like the online courses and the different things that you offer. And the, the reason this all ties in together, because I, I want to go back, like the thing I admire most about you is how well you love your husband and Thank you know, you. cherish your family. And so I do want to ask you about these other things like your business, your businesses and um, all these entrepreneurial endeavors, because that all plays a part in how you're able to show up for your family and mm-hmm. have the time and space to be able to do that. So that's something that I'm learning. And, you know, that's a major part of somebody's testimony, especially because I know it wasn't always easy for you. Um, I watched one of your videos uh, for the, I don't remember which course it is that you offer, but it's something about being profitable. And um, yeah, the um, it's my permanently profitable Academy. Yeah. And so you showed the pictures of your first house with your husband, Jesse. Yeah. I think it was in New Mexico and just kind of being in the hood and you talk about robbed. (laughs) And so like, it hasn't always been this for you, but you know, you worked hard to make this happen. So yeah, I want to hear about your testimony, like how you got from point A to point B, how you fell in love with Jesus. Um, Cause I know that's the foundation to Mm -hmm. do all of these things that you do. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yes. Oh my gosh. I laugh at that house because I I share that in my webinar. So essentially the Permanently Profitable Academy, it's like a social media marketing academy and an online course creation academy, which is what I do. That is how I make my living. It's how I was able to have Jesse stay home with me for two years. Um, He decided to go back to work because he's getting really antsy, but (laughs) it's been cool to be able to see him choose what he wants to do because of the blessings of what I have been able to create um, as a business. So yeah, but when I think back on that house, I didn't even want to get out of the car. I was so upset. <laughs> I was like, I grew up in like a relatively good neighborhood and a good school. And, but my husband and I, we really wanted to do things on our own. Like we, my parents were very helpful in the things they wanted to provide. But I think there was just a sense for us of like, we want to kind of pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, mm-hmm. trust God to provide and do things without owing anything to anybody or whatever it might be. And so it was such a journey because I was like, why can't we just get a really nice apartment and in a nice neighborhood? And he, I'm so thankful for him. We would not be where we are now if it weren't for his money wisdom because he was like, I, there's nothing against renting, but for us, we had the opportunity to buy. Mm -hmm. So he said, what is the point of kind of paying someone else's mortgage when we could have our own? And I'm like, well, I don't want to die because we (laughs) were in a not so good neighborhood and we were able to have our house like completely renovated inside, but it still didn't take away from where we were. And so it was a journey, but then we were able to sell that house and use that equity for our new house. And then we did, we renovated that one and then did the same thing. And that's how we got into like investments and rental properties and stuff, Mm -hmm. but kind of going backwards. So all of this, as you said, would not, it wouldn't even be my life if it weren't for my relationship with Jesus. I was saved when I was 19 and I, my mom kind of grew up like knowing God, but we, it was like more Sunday church type of thing. And it wasn't a huge part of our lives. But when she married my stepdad, he was a believer, he was saved and started teaching all of us. And I was angry about it because I was in a very rebellious season of my life, which I'll talk about. And they were like, just read the Bible. And I read the old Testament and I was like, this God is evil. I don't understand. I want nothing to do with this. I literally threw my Bible across the room, like so much disrespect. And there were a lot of moments. My mom would start talking to me like, God wants this for your life. And she, she was always so loving about it. And God like calls you to this. And why are you sleeping around? You know, like not why are you, but she'd say like, God has such a beautiful plan for you and your husband and you're giving pieces of your body away. And I would be like, I am so tired of hearing about your Jesus fairy tale. Like you go ahead and live in that little world while I continue living in the real world. And she was so patient with me. And I always encourage mamas 
and dads, like if you're struggling and your kids want nothing to do with God or your sister, your brother, your friend, just stay the course. Because my mom was so faithful in encouraging me and sharing scripture with me and loving me so diligently that when I came to the rock bottom of my life, I realized that was the only thing I wanted and the only thing that I needed and the only thing that would change who I was. Um, And so I finally surrendered. And I remember one moment, my mom had been talking to me for probably about four years at that point about Jesus. And I was still so closed off, but I just had a moment where a few people were very cruel to me and they were close with us. And I went and I sat down with my mom and stepdad And I was just like kind of exhausted by it all, like exhausted by life, by how I handled things, how other people handled things. And I told them, I just want you to know I hear you. Mm. And I think at that time I was like 16. It's like, I just want you to know that I hear you. And they were like, what do you mean? I said, I hear you when you talk about Jesus. I hear you. I know I act like I want nothing to do with it. I roll my eyes. I probably mumble F you under my breath, (laughs) but I do hear you. And they were like, you know. Like we know God's never, God's word never returns void. Mm. And it was just such a good moment for me to realize like, okay. And they really like that opened the door because everyone else went out to drink and stuff that night. And I went back with them and we sat and just talked about everything. And I asked questions and started reading books. And that's when I, I realized like, I've tried Buddhism. I've tried atheism. I've tried Scientology. I've looked into everything because Jesus was the last thing I wanted anything to do with, but I am at a point where I'm desperate for change. And when I surrendered my life to Jesus, I just told him like, okay, God, and I don't think this is the right way to go about it or, but it was the only way I knew. And I just said, Lord, just, if this is real, show me, like Mm -hmm. I need something Just show me. And it was, I'm not even kidding, Michaela. It was probably 48 hours before I started like just pouring over the Bible and calling people that I had been cruel to for years. Um, I was just like such a mean girl and apologizing to them and calling ex-boyfriends, apologizing for cheating and doing these things. Like just the conviction in my heart was so deep and intense that I knew, okay, like this is not me because Lindsay, normal Lindsay would not humble herself to acknowledge that I was wrong and that I did something wrong. And it just really, really grew um, from that point on. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. That's amazing. Like it was definitely the Holy Spirit that came into your heart and, you know, gave you the strength um, and direction to, to do those things. So that's, that's so beautiful. I think like how I actually found you too was a TikTok that I saw um, where you said something about like your past and when you had been sleeping around with all these guys and how like you think when you get married, all of it goes away, but like that stuff doesn't just go away. Um, and I don't remember exactly how you worded it, but it was like profound for me. And I just remember like feeling so emotional and wishing that I could have went back and told my teenage self, um, basically that like, one day you're going to look your husband in the eyes Mm -hmm. and it's not that I have to tell him, but it's just on my heart. I want to be, in order to be fully loved, you have to be fully known. Mm -hmm. And so knowing now, you know, that I do tell him everything. It's like one day you're going to look in your husband's eyes and have to tell him everything. Mm -hmm. And if I would have thought about that or really conceptualized that I might not have given my body away as much as I did. Um, Mm -hmm. But then going to your testimony, like you were told those things, but like Mm -hmm. it still didn't really land until God like intervened and came Mm -hmm. into your heart and set that message into your heart for you to, to fully receive it. 
Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting because as I look back, I, I do think it was communicated to me, but what, and my mom, my mom was amazing and did the best that she could, but she wasn't given a lot of tools as a kid. Her parents didn't really communicate much with her. Um, they never talked to her about sex or anything like that. And they didn't know Jesus. And so it was a very kind of similar to what I had grown up with was just the Sunday Catholic. She was going to Catholic services where they didn't really even talk about anything. They just read things off. Um, and so she always told me don't have sex, but didn't really tell me why until it was like, so it was so late. And I think that that was a big part. So yes, kind of going backwards. I, when I was 13, I started spending time with some friends who were not the best examples. And that I'm like, let me teach the lessons I've learned as I go through that. So that I spent time with friends who were not a good good example. And the lesson I've learned from that is that I will help my children choose their friends. I will not control that. I will not be a dictator, but I will step in and be a parent when I see that there are friends who are helping, helping to lead them astray or who are not going in the right direction. Um, because I do wish that would have been done for me, though I probably would have despised my parents for getting rid of those friends. Yeah. The trajectory of my life would have been so different. And so when I started spending time with those friends, that's when we started drinking. And now I look at 13 year olds, I'm like, oh my gosh, you're a baby. Like you're so little. And I was, I'm like, I'm an adult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I was going to parties with these guys there's this group of guys that were real trouble, like real trouble in and out of jail trouble. But we thought that they were, cause they were older, they were so cool. And, um, we started spending time with them and there were instances I remember, I don't know what, I've never actually talked about this, but I remember one time I was at this party and there was one boy I really liked and he was showing interest to someone else, but I started drinking. It was the first time I'd ever had anything to drink. And I was lying on the floor with one of my friends and one of these guys came up and he started like licking my ear. Like he was like, I was laying on my stomach and he was on my back and started like licking my ear. And I was pretty drunk at the time. And I remember hearing voices of like, be careful. She's only 13 because this guy I'm pretty sure was like probably 19 years old. And I didn't know like what it, what is he doing? I had no idea. I was like what is this? Like and I didn't know it was supposed to be sexual. I didn't know what the goal was and some people will be like yeah right. But I, we didn't have social media at that time like nothing was talked about in my life. So from that point on, I think that it just progressed and then when I was 14, I went to a party and I had, I was a virgin and I was drinking with one of my friends and somebody that I knew, like a family friend came up to me, started talking to me and was like, Hey, it's loud. Like, let's go in this room. We were both flirty, very flirty. Um, and then he was like, actually this door like doesn't lock. Let's go into this room. And it should have been a warning sign for me. Yeah. And so we go in and um, I'm very open about this because I've talked about it so much. I think some people are like, wow, she's so cold about what happened, but I've been communicating about this for about eight years now. So it's something that God has really healed in my heart, but he took me in and locked the door. And I told him multiple times, like, I am a virgin. I am not, cause we were kissing and stuff. And I was like, I don't want to do anything. And he got very aggressive with me, put his hand over my mouth. I was in a skirt, like kind of ripped my underwear and had his way and got up and was basically told me he was going to meet another girl that I knew and like, just kind of like looked at me with pure disgust and disdain. And I'm like tears flowing down my face. And, um, so I, I think it was like on top of feeling completely violated and ashamed and confused. There was this level of like, was that like, even though this is so hard to communicate, even though you did that. And though I didn't want it, was it still not enough for you that you have to like, was I still not good enough that you have to go be with another girl? Not that I wanted to be that for him, but I felt not good enough. Does that make sense? It's kind of hard to say 
like put into words. Absolutely. And it's crazy. Like as you're saying this, I'm, you know, remembering instances that I had that were very Mm -hmm. similar to to what you experienced. So I, I, yeah, I can relive like some of those emotions and, um, man, like there was, there was a guy that was very similar that treated me the same way and alcohol was always involved and Mm -hmm. I always wanted to be enough for this guy. And I remember, like you said, that like look of disgust, like he left me in this room after just, yeah, like you said, having his way with me. Mm-hmm. My reputation at school blowed up, you know, mm-hmm. he was like the, this guy was the root of my reputation blowing up because wherever mm-hmm. he was, there I was. And I was drinking because I was so nervous and like mm-hmm. shy and I didn't know my worth or my identity. So I would always drink alcohol um, to be confident enough to talk to him. And then terrible things would happen. Um, And yeah, like I know that feeling. And I want to connect this too to like a bit of the overachiever Mm -hmm. in us. Like going back to this initial trauma, it's like I feel like a lot of times this leads to people being like ultra successful because we have this root of like, I am enough. I am enough. Mm -hmm. Like I will show you I'm enough. And Mm -hmm. Sometimes it can be a good thing because it does lead to all of this, um, you know, success. Mm-hmm. And there's still so much healing uh, that has to be done deep mm-hmm. down from that stuff too. So I don't know if you can relate to that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's a great connection. And first of all, I'm just so sorry that that happened to you because I know how much it plays into everything. And I want to answer your question kind of about how it affected my marriage as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I think that there have been a lot of moments where I've realized that so much of what happened impacted the way I viewed myself. I viewed my relationships with my family. I viewed everything because there was that level of rejection. But after that point, I did just start sleeping around because, and I don't say sleeping around. I, it was more like any boyfriend who was even slightly interested, I felt in order for him to stay, in order for me to keep you and not be alone, I have to sleep with you. And I vividly remember sleeping with these guys and immediately after, and even during, like not getting any satisfaction from it, not feeling like we're teenagers, nobody knows what they're doing, but then like also just crying after or like tearing up or just feeling disgusting. And like, I would have these moments where I feel like I just need to take a shower. Like I just want to wash this off of me, but I'm like confused because isn't this a beautiful thing? Isn't this something that's supposed to be sweet, but it, it wasn't with the right person. I'm force fitting these men, like broken puzzle pieces to fit into my life when I knew they weren't long-term. And even there was an engaged, I I had a near engagement with somebody um, and he ended up cheating on me right before he proposed and I found out about it. But even then I was like, oh, I'm going to be with this guy forever. Like if we slept together, it wouldn't be a big deal. But God showed me there was a reason I didn't sleep with him because it wasn't for sure. And I think that we just always think, well, I need to know what it's going to be like. And I need to sleep with this person. But my husband and I did not sleep together before marriage. We fought. It was really hard for me as somebody who like needs that validation because I'm like, you don't love me. Like just, <laughs> just something, just do something. Like, and he was like, no, like I honor you. I honor God. I know you don't want this. I know you think you want this, but it's not what you want. And it will be amazing. And I mean, I will say like, my sex life with Jesse, just to all the girls who feel like, oh, I need to sleep with them before or whatever is the best. Like our intimacy is freaking phenomenal. And we didn't do anything beforehand. And a lot of that is just like our friendship and our communication and trusting God with our marriage. Hey, you guys, if you're in a relationship and trying to figure out if he's the one, Or maybe you're recently single and taking a step back to figure out how to best go about finding the one. I have the ebook for you. Head over to the link in my bio or in the comment section from wherever you're listening to find my latest ebook, How to Know If He's the One. In this ebook, I share the worst of my relational mistakes and how Jesus finally showed me there was a better way. Gradually, he began to mend my heart, and I know he will do the same for you too.
I had to undo a lot of the brokenness because you don't just forget about those people. You don't forget about those nights. I have dreams all the time about those guys, about intimate moments with them. And I'm always telling Jesse, like, I feel like I'm wronging you and I'm not even thinking about them, but it's coming in the enemies using this in my mind. So we're like always praying over my dreams and my sleep just to like get rid of it. That happens to me all Mm. the time. I have these dreams and I always tell my husband. um, So that's a part of something I wanted to ask you too, because, you know, I feel like anything that's in the dark, you know, it's able to grow into something bigger and darker. Mm -hmm. So I just feel a call to like confess to him right away. But it almost happens so often that I'm like, I'm not going to, like, sometimes I just, I don't tell him every time because like, we know this is a thing that like Mm -hmm. happens to me. And so I want to ask you like, yeah, I guess I did kind of bring up the healing, like now healing while being married. Um, because like, I don't want to hurt my husband. He, he was a wholesome being, you know, mm-hmm. he didn't go out and do all the things that I did. So I came into the marriage with a lot of this, you know, past residue. Mm-hmm. And um, I was still, you know, I got married I got married while I was still in the beginning stages of healing. And I had just found Jesus and given my life, you know, given my life to the Lord. Um, so the first year of our marriage was really tough because I was like, like I said, in the beginning stages of healing. Mm-hmm. And it got to the point where I'm like, I'm not going to tell him like every single thing because I don't want to hurt him um, mm-hmm. and bring him into like all of the pain or whatever that I still feel. So how do you continue that that healing journey with respect you know, to your husband, sharing mm-hmm. enough, but not too much. Mm-hmm. Like what has been helpful for you in that? Yeah, I think that's a very wise, Michaela. I think that when you're coming into a situation, you you want to be wise to not say everything that's on your mind. And that was something I did at the beginning of our marriage. It was like anything I could say or talk about or feel needed to be regurgitated onto my husband. And I will say a few things have helped that. One is community. Like having solid women you can talk to. And sometimes it takes getting out of your comfort zone. I actually have um, like a reel on my Instagram, Living Easy with Lindsay, where I talk about the four eyes of friendship. And it's really essentially at the foundation of all of it. It's opening yourself up to discomfort and vulnerability to build those relationships with people if you don't have that. Um, Secondly, I would say counseling has been huge for me. We, I was laughing yesterday because we drove like near my counselor's office and I was like, Oh, I told Jesse, I miss her so much. And it's only been like two and a half weeks. I'm like, I can't wait to go back. And because I think that that is where I weed out the things that need to be communicated with him and the things I just kind of need to say and get off my chest and like feel relief from. Um, also journaling, journaling helps me to decipher. Okay. What is a lie? And I'll write down the lies I'm believing, which are many. What are the lies I'm believing? And then I will write down next to that lie a specific truth that God's word says. Mm -hmm. So that when I'm starting to believe those things, I go back and I I process that truth. I pray over it. So say a dream, right? I'll wake up and I'll think, huh, I wonder what would have happened had Mm -hmm. I stayed with him. I wonder what my life would have looked like if I would have gotten back together after he cheated on me for the sixth time. Like, what would that have looked like? So I'll write down, say the lie that this person is kind of appealing to me. And the possibility of that relationship, though I'm married, feels appealing to me. Why? And then next to that, I will write down truths of God's promises that his plan is perfect, which I am in that marriage, that he is a faithful God to who will restore and redeem me, which he has done and wouldn't have been done with those other guys. But Jesse points me to Jesus. And I just go through those things to remember essentially who God is. The gospel is what matters. So he died on the cross for my sin. My sin, I was in brokenness during those times with those relationships. So I lean back into that. So those are a few things. However, I will say that there are moments when we do need to go to our spouse. And those are the moments where sometimes say in reference to the dreams, I'll wake up and like, it's been all day that I'm entertaining that in my head. And just like you said, Satan loses his power when our sin is in the light. And so 
if I don't feel like going to a friend about it will help me, or if I go to that friend and I still feel like ugh, something is nagging at me, I'll sit down with my husband and talk to him. Here is a really big factor. You do not want this to be a manipulative thing. And I don't think that we would admit to that. But when we are struggling with a sense of rejection, when we're feeling lonely in our marriage, when we're feeling unseen, we kind of maybe, at least I do, Mm -hmm. want this to be like, hey, I have other options. (laughs) Or, hey, like, you should be thankful you have me because what if I went to someone else? And Again, not that we would say that out loud, but we have to be very cautious of our motives and Jesus sees our motives. And so when we're going to them, is the heart and the goal to truly seek seek restoration, to tell them, hey, I'm actually really struggling with this because I'm lacking this in our relationship. Is this something you could help provide for me versus, hey, I'm really thinking about this person and can't stop thinking about them, you know? And then lastly, When you struggle because you have really dealt with that pain and the difficulty of like wanting to be loved, approved of, validated, and you're lacking that in your relationship, which is bound to happen because there are disconnected seasons in marriage. And also your husband isn't perfect. He's never meant to be. So when you're feeling temptation, that is when you talk. So I've had many moments in my marriage when I felt like, oh gosh, what, what would happen? And I am a Jesus loving girl. I am, I minister to people like, and this stuff still happens to me. It's just real. And I will go and be like, what would happen if I took my ring off and like went to the gym? Like, I wonder what kind of attention I would get. Have I ever done that? No, because I go to my husband and say, I don't know what is going on in my heart, but like I am in my head wanting some external validation and just kind of wondering like, what would happen if I went out to dinner and just like, smiled a little bit at somebody like would they be attracted to me still am i still attractive am i still just like such stupid worldly stuff but when i tell him like i have an amazing husband and i will say that you do have to know the tone of your marriage and who your husband is and jesse is just not a very jealous person if you do have more of a jealous husband be aware of what triggers him and maybe have your go-to friend that you're like, Hey, this is where I'm at right now. Yeah. I need some counsel and prayer. Wow. But when I tell Jesse, he, he will guide me and just say, okay, what is it? Like what's missing? Mm. He'll pray for me. Not perfectly always. Sometimes he'll be like, go then, you know, <laughs> like fine, go if that's what you oh want. <laughs> verbatim, but it, we know it's a joke. <laughs> yes, it is a joke. And And sometimes it's like testing me and I'm like, well, no, I don't actually want it. I want you to fill that in me, but that's ultimately not his role. His role is not to make me feel satisfied or at peace or happy. That's between me and Jesus. And so that's where he points me, not back at himself, but back at the Lord. Okay. Like, what does that look like for you? Say you go do that. What does that look like for you tomorrow when you wake up with our family? What does it look like for you in your prayer life with the Lord tomorrow morning? What, like, what do you feel? Does it fix that, that hole in your heart or are you patching it like you used to in high school? And so those things just really helped me to think like, this isn't something I actually want. It's just temptation. And Jesus was tempted, but he used God's word to point himself back to truth. And to knowing that it's about eternal holiness more than it is even about our happiness or our joy. Oh my gosh, Lindsay, that's so real. I appreciate mm-hmm. you just like being vulnerable um, and bold to say that because I think so many of us experience those thoughts, but just won't say it out loud. You know mm-hmm. that those are things that we we struggle with, and so I love the idea of of journaling it as well. Mm-hmm. Like this is the lie. This is the truth. Um, because when I've worked this out with my husband before, cause we've communicated about, you know, these sort of thoughts and temptations. And what I came to is like going back to, well, there's two parts to this one, not, uh, not glamorizing or missing our Egypt like comparing it to the Bible, like yeah. even the Israelites were like, oh, but there was this bread and mm-hmm. it's in Egypt. And it's like, no, you were in bondage to mm-hmm. sin and slavery. Like, don't forget, you know, the slavery 
that you were under. So remembering, yeah, remembering that part of like, no, I was dead in my sin. And then the second part, when I really break down the reality of what those relationships were, what every single relationship was before my husband, I think I was more in love with the idea of what it could be more than what it actually was. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I I would, I don't know. I just feel like I was in so much denial before I knew Jesus, like mm-hmm. where I just thought it was something that it really wasn't. And so when I think about that journaling exercise of like, actually, no, like he didn't love me because love doesn't do that. Love mm-hmm. like, like your husband did for you. He was like, you, I know you think that you want this. I know you think that you want to have sex, but we should wait you know, for marriage, because this is what God says, and this is what's going to be best for us. That's what love does. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's so good. Yeah. Well, and I think so much of it too, kind of on the flip side, that when you do get married, there are these expectations that are not fulfilled because especially as a young Christian girl, you're told everything is going to be fixed if you're married. Like I remember so many conversations when I was young with my friends at the time who would make comments about like, oh, I just need to find my husband. Like that was the rhetoric of the entire dinner or entire lunch. Like I need to find my husband. Mm -hmm. And so that became something in my brain. Like I need to find my husband. And I'm so thankful that God gave me Jesse because I was on a bad path, Mm -hmm. even as a Christian, like I was not choosing the right people. Um, But I think that there's an expectation of like, oh gosh, like our relationship with Jesus is going to be so solid and we're going to be so faithful and our sex life is going to be amazing and we're going to be so connected and it's going to heal this part of me. So then when you get into marriage and it doesn't do any of that and you actually have a hard time being intimate because you couldn't keep away from each other when you're engaged and then you get married and it's like, you can't get yourselves together and then you're not actually fulfilled or happy. So you feel disappointed. And then you seek all of these things in your spouse and they were raised differently than you. They have different experiences. They have their own temptations, their own struggles, their own addictions, their own, all their own mess. And you're coming into this life with somebody that that is why the divorce rate, I believe is so high because we are very, very naive to what it actually takes to build a life with somebody. So when we take a step back and we say, okay, and this is what I do within the wife project and why I think that it is so important and why I believe so wholeheartedly in it is because we're really bad at Mm self-evaluating. And anytime I post on TikTok, like something about a wife, I will get thousands of comments, Michaela, of like, what about the husband? What about the husband? And I'm like, yes, totally the husband, but also you're part of the marriage and you have to look inward. You have to self-examine, you have to self-evaluate and allow yourself to get to a point where you say, okay, I need to do my own work. And so within the wife project, that's what I do. It's eight and a half weeks of teachings where I talk on very specific topics like betrayal and forgiveness, becoming best friends again, Um, communication. Are you a crown or a thorn to your husband? Mm. Weeding out those little foxes that are damaging because it's really the small things that damage a marriage. It's not usually those big things. So I teach on that. And then I have a 65 page workbook where you navigate through like journaling pages, answering questions, conversation starters with your spouse, because it allows you to actually implement what you're learning but it also deepens your faith and your relationship with Jesus so intensely that you then understand and come to terms with like, okay, what does God call me to? And one of those things is to break down your expectations and trying to make your husband a form or version of Jesus that he's never been called to be. So I love what you're saying about, you know, the fact that our spouse was never meant to fill that God-sized void. Mm-hmm. And um relationships were definitely always an idol to me before getting married and realizing like my husband wasn't meant to to fill that space. And so it really has strengthened my relationship with God, like what you're talking about, like where I realized like on those times, you know, when you feel lonely or you feel unseen in your marriage and you can't go out and get this like worldly affirmation, you know, like it's just not the the godly wife wise thing to do. So it's really brought me into more prayer with God. Mm -hmm. 
and like learning how to like fill those voids with Jesus and not like put so much of those expectations on my husband. And then that leads me to just the second part of what I want to say. It's like, I started this with saying, you know, amidst everything else that you do, the thing I admire most about you is just how well you love your husband and your guys's your intimacy, like what, how you show us, you know, to be better wives on social media and all these things. But that's not just something that happens like that takes work. And Mm -hmm. so I really believe like God (laughs) gives us the tools. He gives us the two by fours and Mm -hmm. the nails. And then it's our job to build that house. And so I feel like that's kind of what you do in your, your coaching, your courses, um, the marriage and intimacy course and the Mm -hmm. wife project is like teaching teaching women and couples like how to how to build that house. Would you say that's that's kind of what you guys do? Yeah, I think that's my heart and I pray that that's what God does through me. I think that one of the things I've always felt in my life and it kind of plays out in every area but including my marriage is that stagnancy breeds comfort and comfort never produces growth. Mm-hmm. And so when we're comfortable, when we're used to your spouse coming home and, or you coming home and you barely greeting each other or saying, Hey, and then dealing with the kids or just going on about your day that becomes comfortable. Mm -hmm. And slowly that then becomes a lack of intimacy and a lack of connection. Or when you go out to dinner and you're more on your phone or kind of like looking around you or eavesdropping instead of communicating with your spouse, that may be comfortable because it's what you've done but that then leads to disconnect. And so for me, like that terrifies me. And I know I'm not supposed to live in fear. Like most common verse throughout scripture is do not fear or fear not. But I think it's a healthy awareness, I guess I would say, of not wanting to get to that comfortable place. And sometimes we have, and you will, it's bound to happen. We've been married 11 years together, 14. There are going to be moments when we're at dinner and we're like, I don't even know what to talk to you about. (laughs) (laughs) We've talked about everything, but, but I challenge that. And I'm like, okay, Lindsay, what can I do to promote growth in this? What can I do to break up that comfort? I don't want it to be comfortable. So I'll come up with things. And one of my things that I have in the wife project course is 15 questions to ask your spouse every month. And they're really challenging questions, not only to ask, but also to have asked back to you because I'll ask them. And then Jesse will ask them. And we either do this at a dinner, like a date night, um, or we'll do it. We do like these Sunday meetings together, which I encourage everyone to do, where we'll sit down. We go over like our budget, our plans, our calendars for the month. We talk about the things that made us feel really loved by each other, the things that made us feel unseen by each other, Mm -hmm. the things that we want to do better as parents and like the areas we're focusing on, what God's doing in our heart. And it's like an hour, an hour and a half where we'll just sit down and really communicate. So sometimes we'll do those questions. um, And that's included in the Wife Project workbook. But that has been so helpful. And Jesse's actually really, he's so sweet, but we'll be at dinner and he's like, I'm so glad. And this is not a judgment on other people, but it's just a gratitude thing where he'll look over and see a couple who's like not talking at all. And he's like, I'm so thankful that's not us. And he goes, sometimes I think that would be us if it weren't for your questions and your intentionality to keep things fun. And so like his acknowledgement of that is really sweet. Yes. Um, And so I do, I think that there's work that we do. Like I will take a moment by God's grace and the Holy spirit. Cause I'm always praying like, Lord, give me eyes to see what I can do to not only be a better wife, but to honor you in my marriage, which is then a ministry to other people to see you in our marriage Absolutely. and also for my children to see you in our marriage. And so we do a lot of those little things where if I notice he's coming home, we're like barely acknowledging each other, which has happened so many times. I'm like, Nope, Lindsay, you will commit to a six second kiss. Cause that's like how long it takes for your brain to really adjust to that intimacy and to acknowledge that it's there. Six second kiss, a hug before my kids even get to say hello, because that is, we are priority and that love in the health of our marriage flows down into our parenthood. going to take a quick second here to tell you about Raised and Redeemed merch. I somehow end up in my bright pink Raised and Redeemed crew neck nearly every day because it's so comfy and I love to tell the world that I have been raised and redeemed in Jesus' name. 
And wearing something that says that is a great conversation starter. Not only do we have crewnecks, but we also have t-shirts, hoodies, cropped hoodies, mugs, stickers, socks, and more. You can either follow the link titled Raised and Redeemed Merch in the comment section of wherever you're listening, click the link in any of my social media bios, or go to Raised and Redeemed, and that's spelled out, raisedandredeemed.creatorslashspring.com to order yours and support the show today. I think that that is my vision is like, gosh, this life is so beautiful and it's so sweet. And we've been given so much opportunity to make so much of it. And I, I just don't like when I, or when other people live in a place of like, this is just who I am. This is just how it is. It is what it is. And I'm like, no, you have so much power opportunity. You have the Holy spirit in you to make real lasting changes, but it takes work. It's never, ever going to fall into your lap. And my common motto on living easy podcast and on my Instagram is nothing changes if nothing changes. And so I just like constantly live with that in mind. I love that. I love that so much. And I actually, I think of, I think of you when I do hear my husband like come in through the door and I'm like in the middle of working on something and I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like just get up, (laughs) go say hi to him. (laughs) Because how much time is it really? Right. Like it's so, it's so minimal, but it takes vulnerability. And I think that is something that people have a hard time with because you're again, putting yourself almost in a place of like being rejected if he's in a bad mood or you're having to break down those walls that we often build up if we're feeling like, well, he hasn't loved me today. He Mm -hmm. hasn't texted me today. Why am I going to go out of my way? But I would challenge that to say every time you allow that thought, like he's not doing it, so I won't do it. Every time you allow that thought, the enemy gets a bigger foothold. So it starts at an inch, then it becomes a foot, then it becomes a mile, then it becomes divorce. And that hard-heartedness is the most common symptom and sign of divorce because you're unwilling to put in the work. And while they may not be putting in the work right now, scripture in 1 Peter says to live in such a way that without even saying a word, your husband will see I'm paraphrasing, but the goodness of God and the work of God in your life and in your heart. So if you're being faithful to his word and you're speaking out the good in your husband and praising him for things that you normally wouldn't praise him for, and you're acknowledging him, you're pursuing sex with him, you're like very intentional, he's going to see, okay, something is shifting. And I can almost guarantee you that while you do that, you're calling the good out of him too. And he's going to start responding to that and doing those things. But it does, you have to say, okay, Lord, free me of my pride, rid me of these walls, emotional walls I've built up. And that's one of my most popular episodes, by the way, is um, let's talk about those emotional walls you've created. And I really encourage people to listen. I don't remember the episode number, but if you look through, because those are things that really can divide you in your relationship, but there are ways to break them down. Yeah. Yeah. I know whenever I like go and say hi to my husband, regardless of what mood he's in, when I meet him with love and kindness, like it softens whatever state of mind he came in yeah. um, and he's receptive to that. And then another part I heard one somebody say one time that the wife is like the prophet of the household. Mm. You speak these things into your husband and they come to life. Like it really comes to life and he lives up to that. So yeah, I'm learning how to pray for my husband as well. I I read the praying wife or the power of the prayer. I've heard that. Yes. I've heard that's really good. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that's one of the tools um, I've learned, but I know we're kind of running out of time here. So I wanted to just ask you if you would you know, tell us about your resources, how people can stay connected with you, any last tidbits that you would like to share with us. Yeah. Well, just to touch on what you said before, I agree so much with that statement because I really do believe like being the prophet of the home, I really do believe that we have the power to shift the trajectory of our home. And one example of that is recently I've been sensing that we as a family, the four of us, we have two little boys, they're five and seven, that we feed off of one another's emotions pretty heavily. We're Mm -hmm. all like, I'm really big on teaching emotional intelligence, but with that comes like (laughs) a lot of sensitivity and a lot of dealing with things and communicating. 
And I've noticed like if Jesse's having a bad day and he's frustrated or short or cold, I instantly become cold or short back. And then my boys feel it and it changes everything. And I told Jesse the other day, I said, I'm not doing that anymore. I won't do it anymore. I'm committing right now that if you're having a bad day, my heart and drive and goal will be to support you through that bad day. Even if I'm feeling like you're taking it out on me, because that can be dealt with later. You're dealing with something and I want to support and love you. And I'm not going to raise my voice at the boys. If they're acting out, I'm not going to let their heightened tantrums or emotions affect my mood because I need to find that peace in order to instill that peace in my home. And I always say that you can either breathe life or spit poison and omission, like not saying something you should say is also spitting poison because you're not breathing that life into things. So if you see your children doing something good, you see your husband doing something good, even if it's loading the dishwasher the wrong way, thank you so much for doing that today. It means so much that you took your time to do that. You're not enabling him or just because it's a basic, decent task, you're encouraging him. You're breathing life to say, this is helpful to our home. This is helpful to our family. Even if you do it every day, I just want you to know I see you. And I do the same for my boys. And I've seen since I said that, like I've told all of them that we had a sit down conversation about it and we will just have a moment of like, just a reminder that your mood doesn't have to affect their mood and their mood doesn't affect yours. And let's take a step back and find that peace in ourselves and pray. And it's amazing because this is something we've struggled with for five years. And instantly because of that commitment, I think as a mother and God, like instilling that in our home and giving us the power to how much it's changed our home in a month and, and how every day looks different already. And so I just want to encourage women you really do like the husband is the head, you are the neck, you turn it which way it goes, but essentially God leads both. And so if you're listening to the Lord and pointing your family back to him, how much more will you see the joy and the growth when you're speaking good and praising the good anytime you have the chance to. So that I just wanted to touch on that because I do think it's such an important thing. Um, in regards to resources, the wife project from roommates to soulmates. That's my eight and a half week course. It is, it's like my powerhouse. It has been purchased by women in almost every single country in the world, including countries that shouldn't necessarily, or don't not shouldn't, but don't have access to the internet. So not sure how that happens, but it's been so amazing. And God is really doing a work in women's lives and their marriages. And then Jesse and I came out with the sex and intimacy project for couples And that is a four-week course with workbooks for both him and her that you will walk through to strengthen your emotional connection, your partnership, your friendship, talking about love languages, um, the things that make you feel seen, asking those questions that you've really needed to ask for a long time. And then it plays into the importance of sexual intimacy, what God's view of sex is, how to implement prayer into your sex routine, I guess. Um, but also how to make it enjoyable and actually make it something that's really sweet. And then I have my permanently profitable, which is a faith-based founded course on building an online business, creating online courses like I do, making a full living from doing those things and exactly how to do that. So it all kind of ties together just in the sense that God has called us to more. So like, let's keep using our callings and our gifts to live that out. That's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this show, I'd love to have you leave a review, share it with a friend, and even connect with me on other platforms. It's at Michaela Nikolenko on Instagram and TikTok. And we also have an at Raised and Redeemed Instagram account too. I look forward to connecting with you there. Until next time, stay well and God bless you.